0: Are
1: you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin.
0: Dead. It's going down. It's down. I'm yelling, Timber. You better move. You better, move. You better dance. Giggity. Let's make a night. Yeah, bitch, you go you won't remember. I'll be the one. I'll be the one. You
2: won't forget. Very much like scruffy pigs to look at. And they've got big knobbly warts and lumps all over their long, hairy faces. They are very, very ugly. Well, ahoy, ahoy, and welcome to episode 131 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and it's Povember, everybody. That's playoff November. A terrible kind of play on Movember, but I thought of it, and I'm going to kind of stick with it. So, I don't know about you, but I had a semi on Sunday. Western Conference, semi-final... Portland Timbers, Vancouver Whitecaps, the first ever MLS Western Conference semi-final for the Whitecaps, day after Halloween. Thankfully it didn't turn into a horror show for them. Now, now down at Providence Park, meaning it's all to play for this coming Sunday at BC Place. It certainly wasn't the fieriest or most exciting game between the two Cascadian rivals, I fancied it to be a draw going into the game. I was more thinking 1-1 though. I really thought the Whitecaps would get that kind of crucial away goal. Also going into the game, Portland, tired team, on the back of that epic penalty shootout game against Kansas City on Thursday night. But you kind of have to tip your hats to Portland because despite that tiring performance just a couple of days before, they actually looked a fresher team and it was more the Whitecaps that were the The team that looked a little bit tired out there at times. The Caps started well. As Carol Robinson said after the game, they missed a couple of guilt-edged opportunities. Octavio Rivero, Gershon Kofi, both had great chances to put the Caps in the lead. But before that, Milano had a great chance to put the Timbers in the lead when he shot really weakly at Ousted when Tim Parker had failed to deal with a, a low cross that came in. Second half, it was all Portland. Very few offensive chances for the Whitecaps in that second period. And of course, David Ousted came up with a huge save from the Valeri free kick. Then in the 89th minute, Iruti crashed that shot off the right post. Kyle Robinson is always talking about fine lines in football matches. And that was certainly the fine lines in that game. Gave the Whitecaps a point, And who knows how important that save and that post is going to be at the end of this two-legged tie. And... Could be the difference, could be the defining moments of the Whitecaps going through or not. It was certainly a defensive battle out right there. Kayla Porter after the game, paid credit to the Whitecaps defensive strength, acknowledged they are one of the best teams defensively in MLS when they're on their game. David Ousted, one of the best keepers in MLS as well. Came up with the goods again on Sunday, number of strong saves, not just that Valeri free kick but he, he was solid throughout and Kendall Watson in front of him. Tower of strength out there. I also have to give a a nod to Tim Parker for a rookie playing in his first ever playoff game. Very solid alongside Waston as well. Very, very few concerns about him at all in that game. And we're going to hear from Tim Parker a little bit later on the show. So the Whitecaps had two main aims going into this game. They wanted to keep Portland out, keep the clean sheet they achieved that. At the other end of the park, the other key aim was to get a vital away goal. That didn't happen, of course. As we mentioned, uh, there was the chances for Octavio Rivero and Gershon Kofi. Both squandered. Both should have done better. The Cats will be delighted with a 0-0 draw. They would have been even more delighted with a 1-1 draw. Obviously, they'd have been even superly stoked by by getting a, a victory of any kind to take back to BC place for the second leg. But as it stands, it's nil-nil. How crucial that failure to get the away goal will be, we'll, we'll soon see. What it means is if Portland do get a goal on Sunday, the Whitecaps have to score two. If Portland get two goals, the Whitecaps have to score three. On the reverse side, the way that Carl Robinson was looking at it after the game, as long as the Whitecaps win on Sunday, then they're going to advance to the final. The nil nil scoreline has basically turned it into a good old fashioned cup tie. One off game at BC Place. If the Caps win they advance and I think that's all we can ask for at this stage of the season. It's in the Caps hands. Possibly it could finish nil nil again and go to penalties. You can always have to wonder as well, is there a possibility that the White Caps could draw every single playoff game that they play nil nil and still get to the MLS Cup? It's not out with the Realms a possibility. It's just going to be a little bit nerve-wracking if that is the case. So we talked about the defensive strength, but looking at that other side of the park, up front, obviously the attacking options were a little bit limited. Nicholas Mosquita had trained last week, didn't train fully on Friday, was late coming into the training session on Friday. Did look a little bit sharp though, but was just deemed that he could not make it for the game down in Portland. Hopefully he can maybe be back for this Sunday, but he just keeps seeming to have a a little bit of a setback here. Mauro Rosales came on as a sub, looked really fresh and sharp. Pedro came on for his first appearance since the San Jose game, and it was a little bit worrying bringing him on onto a slick surface like that, but he he said afterwards he felt no pain, he seemed to do well. You have to think he's going to feature on Sunday, but not from the start. He's going to maybe come on maybe in the hour mark. Mauro, you have to think, is going to fill in in that number 10 position. Start the game at the number 10 role if he is good to go for for a star, and you kind of crossing fingers he has to be. Gershon Kofi is not a number 10. I'm not convinced Gershon Kofi is actually an attacking midfielder anymore either. Obviously, when he came to the White Cats and in the early times in MLS, he did play an attacking role, But he's been switched to that DM role and he's a player that's mindset is defensive. There was a good tweet when we were talking about this during the game on Twitter. And Mun Bagre tweeted to me to say that even the cameraman had to kind of stop panning when, when Kofi was on the ball. Just to wait for him to kind of catch up and move the ball forward a little bit. He's not a number 10 Robo said after the game he'll be the first to admit that he's not a number 10, but needs must, that was why he was there. It was an adequate position. Some people said, why didn't you play Marco Bustos in that position? But you're not going to throw a young guy that's just played a handful of minutes in MLS into a big playoff game like that. For all the confidence that Bustos has, and for as highly as I rate him, that was not a game to put Bustos in. Kofi didn't do great against Houston, but they got the win, so it, w- it was it was, fair enough going for that unchanged lineup and and, and putting him in there. Otavio Rivero missed that chance, had a, a couple of other opportunities as well, a couple of half-chances, a couple of set-up passes that were just a little bit off. He's off his game, there's just no-one else though that we can bring in, in his place, and this is where the Whitecaps fall down from not bringing that other striker in, during the, the summer transfer window, they've got Matic still recovering from the head knock that he had in Honduras, been struggling as well at club level anyway. And we, we need something to ignite that fire in Rivero. I was hoping to share was going to be the guy. Maybe it's going to need Mosquito to come back and have that Uruguayan trio just kind of unlocking R- Rivero a little bit, but something needs to happen to get him clicking again. And the other uh, offensive player on Sunday, Kikutamani just seemed a little bit of a step off his game. few disappointing runs forward where he just didn't seem to know what to do. Definitely didn't have his best game as a white cap. Definitely didn't have his best game this season. And he kind of just hoped that that goal that he got against Houston was going to bring the best out of him going into the playoffs. Maybe it will. Maybe we'll see it from Sunday. We just definitely didn't see it down in Portland. But second leg coming up on Sunday, I'm sure we can't all wait for that. Very late kick-off, 7pm. Maybe going to hit the number of Timbers fans that come up. Maybe that's a good thing. Fell 27,000 in the lower ball, primarily of Whitecaps fans. But as we've said, the tie is delicately poised. It's kind of a toss-up. I, I really don't think any team has the advantage... Portland obviously are going into the game knowing if they get an away goal it's going to have to make Vancouver score at least twice. Vancouver on the other hand though, confident they've shut Portland out after being on their good run, shutting them out at home. They'll be confident they can shut them out again and then they just need to get that one goal. They technically have the home field advantage although BC Place hasn't exactly been a a fortress or a cauldron at times this season. But it's really going to be a toss-up. And as Rob said after the game, it's whatever players rise to the occasion and perform in the day are going to get the job done. I'm confident it's going to be Vancouver. I'm confident we're going to get into the Western Conference final. And usually when I'm confident, things go horribly wrong. So maybe, maybe I, I shouldn't be confident. I should be my usual doom and gloom self. Who they'll play if they get through to that final as well could be more Cascadia competition. Seattle leading Dallas 2-1 from that first leg. Dallas scored first, looked like it was going to be Dallas that were going to dominate, but Dallas do have that key away goal. A 1-0 win for Dallas at home is going to put them through, all to play for in that game as well. So definitely an exciting Sunday coming up, and it was exciting times. Sunday past. So just going back to the first leg now, enough of my waffling and babbling on. Let's hear a little bit now from both coaches. So we're going to hear first from Kyle Robinson, and then we're going to hear from Mr. Hankey himself. Caleb Poorer.
3: A bit, uh, bit nervy at the end there, but you, know, you get a draw. Are you happy? That's not nervous. Gary, compared to Thursday night when I sat in a stand watching <laughs> Portland and Kansas City, that's very calm. Ah, listen, we come into the game with a game plan. We knew what we wanted to do. I think we executed it perfectly. In the first half, I thought we were, we were very, very good uh, up until the final third, and we we missed our guilt chances. Uh, I think we should have been ahead in the first half. Second half, as expected, they're going to change slightly. They come out, and they were probably the more aggressive team. And obviously, we rode our luck in the last minute, but I think we thoroughly deserved it. You know yeah. how important road goals are in, in this kind of a series. Are you disappointed you you didn't get one? Well, of course. You know, everyone wants to, but I'm sure they want a home goal as well. Um, you know, the mindset now changes to next week's game at BC Place, and they are important away goals. We know that, but... You know, we had two great chances in the first half, and we didn't take them. So, nothing you can do. You got to get back to work.
2: Delicately poised, I guess you could say the the game is now. Does any team have the advantage going into that second leg?
3: <sighs> good question. I I just think it's one game of football. It'll come down to fine lines again. Um, we talk about fine lines today in in the game where the one team we went ahead in the first half, they na- nick it at the end. That's which players perform on the day. Uh, two two good teams. I said that in the build up to the game. So. I'll rely on my players turning up. Caleb will rely on his players turning up. It should be an exciting game.
2: Knowing that if they get the away goal, you then have to score two. Is that going to affect your game plan in, in any way? Next
3: no, we, we just got to win the game. If we win the game of football at home you know, in our backyard, then we're through. If they get an away goal, then they know that obviously they're the, the slight advantage there. But you know, we'll we'll rest up. We'll be ready for next week as well.
4: Thought their effort was outstanding, you know, to play a game on on Thursday, 120 minutes to go through it. We went through um, physically and emotionally, and turn around and and uh, play like we played today. put our, put ourselves in a position to win the game. We got a couple chances; those didn't fall, but we were outstanding defensively. You know, we you know obviously were a team that was on the ball. We we looked like the team that had the week off, and uh, real proud of the guys. For that, in saying that, Vancouver, you know, they showed tonight why they were the best defensive team in, in the league. You know, their goalkeepers outstanding. Waston's, you know, a beast, um, and they're a good team. So I thought, even though there wasn't a goal, um, if, you, if you know the game, it was, a, it was a really good good game to watch. Um, you know, so it puts us in a good spot. Obviously, not as good as if we would have won 1-0, but uh, they didn't get the away goal. So if we score one goal, they got to score two. If we score two, got to score three. So it, it'll make for a very interesting uh, second leg. And we've won seven games on the road, and we've been very hot on the road recently. And we've scored goals on the road. So it uh, puts us in a, in a good position to go and play for the win. And if we score a goal, then like I said, they, they need to score one more than us.
1: How did you know Adam was going
4: to be out? This morning, this morning uh, Adam texted uh, our trainer. He was throwing up all night. Got a stomach flu or food poisoning? Who knows? But uh, his family's been sick as well, so must be a virus. And uh, he came in. tried to pump him with you know the usual anti-nausea medicine, and all that. But he didn't feel like he could go, and you know he didn't look look very good. Didn't sleep much. So uh, called Jake and told him he'd be in. And I thought he was great today. You know we want that out of our young players when they get the opportunity to be able to step in and. You know, we've had several in that position this year, and they've all done a done a really good job. I thought, you know, he didn't have a ton to do, um, but what he did have to to manage, I think, I thought he looked very comfy. Do you think the pressure is back on Vancouver? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you could. It's funny. You know, it was a defensive battle. Uh, we knew it would be. Usually, the first legs are, because um, they always set up the next game. Um, but. You know, you saw they w- they went for attacking subs at the end. I think the reason is they knew they needed that away goal, um, and they didn't get it. You know, unfortunately, we didn't find the the goal either. But now that we go on the road, knowing that we're a good road team and knowing they didn't get the away goal, um, you know, we just have to win the game. And, and even we can draw as long as we score a goal. <laughs> Oh Mr Bolton, oh Mr Bolton, oh Mr Bolton, oh Mr Bolton,
2: oh Mr Bolton. So that was both coaches there for the, the rest of this podcast. I'm gonna bring you just a couple of little chats that we've had with a couple of different people. Now there's gonna be a lot of players obviously important to the white caps in this playoff run, especially if they're they're gonna make it all the way to hosting the MLS Cup at BC Place, which we still think is a possibility. And although putting the ball in the back of the net is obviously going to be key, at the other end of the park, it's the defensive effort that I think is possibly going to be the difference between the Whitecaps getting through or not. David Ousted, 13 clean sheets in the regular season. Fantastic goalkeeper on fine form. Kendall Waston in front of him, another player that is key to the Whitecaps. But it's his defensive partner which is possibly going to be the other key. Pamadou Kaah. Looks like he could be done for this season. No one's officially saying that. Kind of had a few unofficial mumblings that, yep, he could be done with his groin strain. Did travel down to Portland, and if you saw stuff on Twitter or on Facebook or Instagram, having a guy like Cab out the camp is very important, just because he's just such a personality and really helps nurture, calm down, and just share experiences with, with the younger members of the group. And it's always important to have a player like that in the squad. Now, the guy that stepped up to fill Enca's place is Tim Parker. Now, he's still in his rookie season. And as we've said several times now in this podcast, it's kind of, it's hard to believe that because he plays like a pro. He plays like a seasoned pro that's been in the league for, for a couple of years now. It's not to say he doesn't make the odd mistake. Clearly he does. Every player does. It's like no player doesn't make mistakes. Messi, Ronaldo, they make mistakes. Especially when it comes to maybe filing taxes. But with Parker, he's, he's like an old head on young shoulders, and he's been great no matter who he's been partnered with. He's, he's played alongside Ka, Waston, Dean, Rodriguez, and he's looked good no matter who he's in there with. So Parker definitely looks like he's the guy going forward that is going to be one of the keys in the Whitecaps' defence. Not just this season in the playoffs, but going into next season and beyond as well. So we caught up with Tim at training just to find out how he's found his rookie season. Did it go beyond all his expectations? What he's learned, what he needs to develop and just a a few other things like that. So let's hear now from Tim Parker. The season that you're having, it's it's been a fantastic rookie year. When we spoke about it before, you'd said it's kind of more than you'd, you'd really expected. When you were picked in the draft, what were your expectations for this year?
1: Um, to be honest, I didn't really have too many goals to reach, other than try to get as many games as I could. Whether that was at the USL level, which I thought I would be, I would have been involved in a lot more than I was this year. But I mean, I'm really thankful that I got the opportunities that I did at the MLS level, and I made the most of them.
2: When you come into a club and you you know that there's a lot of depth there at, at this position, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned about USL, how hard is it then to break into to To an environment like this where you know that there's so many guys fighting for that position.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think after I got signed, I wanted to check to see how many centre-backs they had, to be fair. And I mean, I saw there was five and I knew that, I mean, it was going to be a grind every day. So, I mean, I never came in expecting to be the third centre-back or a starting centre-back. So I knew that I was going to have to come in and kind of show what I had, even further than what I did throughout my senior year in college to make sure that they kind of realised that I was able to play at this level.
2: A lot of guys, when they come in from college in the first year, like we've spoken to them over the last couple of years, and they notice that it's a lot quicker, mm-hmm. and they kind of take at least the season to to kind of fit in. One of the things we were reading is none of the, the first round drafts for Portland have ever played in their first year down in Portland, whereas here it's been a little bit different, but again, not tons. How how different have you found it? Because you seem to just really have moved in with as if there's nothing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been very fortunate to the point that I've adjusted pretty well but I also think that it ties back a lot to my college days and my coach is kind of expecting a lot of me and asking a lot of me to the point where then I start to expect a lot out of myself so whether that's adapting to the speed of play within weeks or within days I think it also comes down to like my trainings in the off seasons so like where I've been like training with other pro teams and that kind of stuff really helped me out when I got here
2: and the the USL, you've played a few games in there. What's been the, the biggest sort of thing to get you ready for MLS? Has it been like training with guys like Pa and Kendall? Or how much has the USL helped in that regard?
1: The USL definitely helped. You know, I mean, I think getting games is one of the most important things. And whether you think USL is not the MLS or it's not the quality of the MLS, it's all guys that are trying to get into the MLS. So everyone has like a hunger about them. And I think that even in training training with these guys here everything gets quicker and you notice that and once you kind of get adjusted to that everything kind of just ties into what you have elsewhere. The The US under 23s at the moment they, have you had a chance to watch them much at all? I don't really have much to say about it but I mean I, I hope one day that my name gets called in and I'm able to make the most of the opportunity.
2: That's what I was going to ask you I mean I know it's your first year but were you disappointed at all that you haven't been involved in the camps? Did, did you think you maybe would be the way that you've been playing?
1: Um, I don't think disappointed you know I think for me I've had a good year and I think that it's kind of setting a base for me as where I can be and it's kind of setting myself like a little bit of a standard and I think that here I can build on it and hopefully that the U.S. team see me building on it and hopefully they can see potential and if not then that's how it's going to be and that's fine.
2: That's great thanks so much Tim thanks no, for your fine. time that's great no, that's cheers. So that was Tim Parker there it's been a fantastic rookie season for him it Fourteen starts, fifteen appearances overall in the MLS regular season. He started nine of the Caps last ten games of of the regular season, just with with the injuries to to Cass, suspension to Boston, international duty, and it's been just a, a fantastic experience for him. He also made his first appearances in the CONCACAF Champions League and the Canadian Championship, getting his first pro goals in both those tournaments as well, which was fantastic for him. And then in Portland, he made his first MLS playoff appearance. So we thought, we spoke to him before the game. Why not? Let's catch up with him after the game. So let's hear a little bit more now from Tim Parker, just how he found his first MLS playoff experience and just some thoughts going into the second leg in Vancouver next week. Obviously, you've just played your first playoff game. Um, how, How did it feel out there just... After the whole journey that you've had this season now to be the starter in the playoffs?
1: Uh, it was awesome. You know, I mean, obviously people want to take those opportunities and I'm glad I was given it. And it's kind of like a dream to to have people watch me and have my friends and family back home be able to watch us. And
2: obviously you played in here early in the year alongside Christian. That whole experience playing in front of that crowd, how much did that prepare you for a game like this?
1: A lot, a lot, because obviously um, I didn't get the opportunity to play prior to Portland especially in this atmosphere so I think that being able to get that game here was definitely something important that I could take and learn from and going into this one. And a clean sheet today which was fantastic,
2: no away goal though and with that away goal real being in in effect do you feel does does either team actually have the advantage now moving into the second leg?
1: Um, You know I I think no away goal or an away goal we kind of have the same mindset I think Obviously we wanted to make sure that we took care of business on the road and I think we did. I think now we put our future in our own hands back at home and I think that we can take care of business back there. And just the overall performance today, how how did you see it? I think we did well. I think we created chances. I think we had our opportunities. I think even at Defensively we stayed compact and they had their chances, but we tried to limit them to two or three as much as we could. I think it's going to be another tough battle at home, but I think that we have enough to get the higher edge. That's great, thanks so much. Thanks, Tim. Good,
2: Good luck again. next
4: week. Thank
1: you. So, Tim Parker there, Vancouver Whitecaps Rookie of the
2: Year, without any question of a doubt. Also, he would have been in contention in my mind for overall MLS Rookie of the Year. But standing in his way of that is a Canadian. Yeah, I think we, we all know that the MLS Rookie of the Year honours is going to go to Orlando City's Kyle Larne. The Canadians had a fantastic season down in Orlando. 27 appearances overall, 24 of them starts, 17 goals. He just had an absolutely fantastic season. Basically established himself as a starter from about the the middle of April onwards. And he did make his MLS debut when Vancouver travelled to Orlando, coming on as a a sub with 90 minutes to go. And then after that, there was just no looking back for the guy. And he's, he's done well for Canada. Got a couple of goals, obviously missed that sitter during the Gold Cup, we maybe we won't talk about that. But overall, it's been just a dream first year for Kyle Lahren. Now, Lahren did a conference call with a few reporters last week, myself included. So I'm going to just play you a little bit of that now. I asked him just about his first season as a pro and just what he's learned and what he's developed. And we'll hear some stuff as well, just about his thoughts on the Canadian national team just now. And looking ahead to the big game in Vancouver on November the 13th, the World Cup qualifier at home to Honduras. So let's hear a little bit now from Kyle Larne uh,
5: it, it was good. It was a very exciting year for me. Um, I scored, I scored uh, 17 goals and and I want to thank my teammates uh, for helping me do that and, and we had a good year. We could have done better, I think, so it's been a good year. Yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's really nice thing in Orlando and playing for
2: Orlando City. I spoke to you in March just before you had kind of made your debut for Orlando. And you kind of said your goals for this season was just to kind of adjust to the professional ranks and maybe get a few games and a few goals. Obviously, you had a great rookie season with Orlando. You've played at the Gold Cup. Now you're going to finish the year playing in World Cup qualifiers. For you personally, how would you describe your your first year as a professional footballer?
5: I, I would describe it as a, maybe a yeah, dream come true for me, my first year as a professional footballer, scoring so many goals that I did it, and playing with top players on my team, uh, like say, uh, Kaka and, and other players, um, but it's been, good. it's been good for me. Uh, I mean, at the beginning of the season, uh, I'll be getting used to the level of play and the speed, and and I think once I got used to it, I got my opportunity really to, to play. I started scoring, started scoring goals. And, and I think that was very important for me to just come and, and
2: focus on each game and, and score goals for the team and help my team. Again, when I spoke to you back in March, you'd said that it had been quite a a learning curve, kind of adjusting to the professional game and particularly the speed. How do you feel your game has improved this year? What What's the main attributes of it that you've... You've kind of really honed on now being as a pro, and and what do you feel you still need to do to to develop even further?
5: Uh, I think it was and uh, I, uh, the coaches, who uh, helped me out with that, and, and and even my fitness got a lot better when I when I um, started getting used to the level, and my decision making was a lot quicker uh, as time went on, and and I mean I could I for teach me a lot when I'm when I'm playing so. He helped me a lot, uh, and it's it's just been a good year for me and a good learning process. And, and next year, I think it will be a lot better. Uh, to learn more and and I'll
2: score more goals than I did this year. Do you do you feel any extra pressure now? Having done so well in your rookie season, that all eyes are going to be on you to to actually do even more next year? Uh, I mean,
5: I, I just I just. It just motivates me to do better and, and work harder, uh, just to score more goals. And, and 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 I know if I if I work hard and I do the things that I have to do to get better, uh, I'll score goals. Because teammates like can help me score goals, and I, and I know I'll get chances to
0: score. Do we? Yeah, Kyle. Uh, if if as expected, you win the Rookie of the Year in Major League Soccer this year, and I know you can't say that you think you're going to win it yet. I don't maybe well, but I, I can say you probably well win it. Um, how important will that be to you? Is that something you take great pride in? Is it something that was a uh, motivating for you uh, this year?
5: Uh, yeah, as the season went on and I kept scoring and and the talk came up, uh, obviously I made I made it a goal to just just to win it, just to win it a this year. Uh, every every person has their own goals, but once the talk came up and, and I saw and I saw that uh, award and and inside. Uh, I, it didn't motivate me I just to uh, keep going, just scoring goals and helping on my team.
0: And, of course, now we are moving towards a home match uh, in the next round of FIFA World Cup qualifiers. Um, what does it mean uh, to play for uh, for Canada? Of course, you're representing uh, you know, your city, your friends, your family. Uh, what's it like to put on that Canada red jersey?
5: Um, it was very important for me. Uh, I'm from Canada, and I think it's important for me because uh, just to show that soccer is growing in Canada, we can make it to the next round um, after these games and go out there and win games, and that so that we're a great soccer player.
0: MLS soccer, Daniel, Kyle. This being uh, this being your first time playing for Canada, you did play earlier in uh, the qualifiers against uh, Dominican Belize, uh, but this is kind of this round has been a stumbling block for Canada, and specifically uh, playing against Honduras has been a bit of a stumbling block for Canada in the last few cycles. So, you know, this being your first World Cup qualifier going in against Honduras, uh, knowing the history, does that play into your mind at all, or are you just going to take uh, the same approach a- a- as you normally would when suiting up for Canada? No, it, it doesn't play in my mind. Uh, I'm just going to take the, the, not, the normal approach and suit up for Canada
5: go out there and, and win games and score goals for, for the team and I think uh this should be a, a, a fresh start for Canada and, and just to go out there and not think about what's been in the past and look on the future.
0: Gary Kingston, Vancouver. Uh, just uh, you know there's there's been
5: a lot of new guys quarter uh, you know incorporated into the program over the last uh, few months. Uh, what, what's what's the key to helping this group um, really develop some chemistry as you go into these qualifiers. Uh, so I think it's getting getting everyone in, getting the more players in, and, and looking at more players and, and just uh, finding the balance in, of players that, that play well together, and and make sure we get all the players into camp that, that we need uh, to to qualify. And I think it's important uh, for us to look at every player and, and and go into this next camp and make sure that we connect properly on and off the field, so so when it comes to the game, we're able to win games and and, and score goals and on the team. Dwayne,
0: the Gold Cup was a bit of a struggle to, to score goals at times, and, and we, we don't want to dwell on, on the myths that you had there, but we're wondering what you took from that experience and, and how you might be able to learn from it so that uh, that the goals may may come in the next round.
5: Uh, I think it was a great experience for me, um, just playing against those those teams that I played against, uh Jamaica and, and Costa Rica, uh really really good teams. Um, and I and, and now I know what to expect when I go out there and, and now I know to finish all of my chances I get and really really focus on finishing my chances. Uh I mean I put I put that in the back of my head and and, and went on with my with season and, and the the next games that we played with Canada I made sure finished my chances, but it was a great experience for me. My first gold cup, and and hopefully next one we could do better and score some goals.
0: Perfect. Come back around, Daniel. Do you have a follow up? Yeah, I do. Thanks, Richard. Um, Kyle, the the choice of venue for the national team, uh, you know, is it, it, always a bit of a talking point among supporters, and, and this is the the first game that's been played in Vancouver in, in quite a while now. Um, and one of the one of the issues. That, that, that comes up and has come up in the past is the surface, the artificial turf. Now, you play regularly on artificial turf in Orlando, so I'm just wondering if I could get a few thoughts from you about, uh, you know, what it's like playing on, on turf and grass on a regular basis in MLS and whether you think that will have any impact uh, on the game in Vancouver in two weeks and whether it might actually give the Canadian team uh, any kind of advantage.
5: Yeah, uh, I, th- I think it's better to play on grass for me personally but uh I play on turf here in Orlando and, and the turf we have is really good. It moves like grass, uh the ball moves the same as it on grass but maybe it's a little hard on your on your body, your knees but it still moves the same way and, and, and I and I've I've heard uh B C plays the uh, the turf there. It's really good, really nice too. It moves it moves good. Uh, but I think it, I think it's good for us to to play on the turf there. Uh I think most of the guys uh on the team that played on turf when they were younger and, and I used to learn that. Ethics advantage for us, uh, it'll, it'll be good for us.
2: In a time when hats were high, I had no Canadian
5: flag. Just the sign of Dave and Roger, too scared to purchase larger. When I walked through the Clyde Valley, in the shadow of fiery Jack, power well, of fear, no weaver wrapped in the Canadian flag.
2: So Kyle Larne there, definitely a great season, let's hope he can keep it up for Canada and set Canada off to a great start in this next round of qualifying, hopefully getting them through to the hex, and then who knows after that, first appearance in the World Cup final since 1986? I think we all certainly hope so. Anyway, that's it for this episode of the podcast, hope you've enjoyed listening, we'll be back soon. Until then, you can check all my stuff out online, AFTN away from the numbers get there, AFTN.ca. I'm also the White Caps Beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so you can read all my stuff in that. Follow us on Twitter at AFTN Canada. And if you want to drop us an email about anything on the show or any suggestions as to what we can cover, who we should speak to, send us an email to Canada at Hotmail.com. So, as always, thanks for listening, take care, and until the next time.